0: Here is the man. But who is he? They flog him until bloodied. They crown him with thorns thrust upon his head. They clothe him in a purple robe. They taunt him as a king. They slap him in the face. And Jesus, well, Jesus, he takes it. Everyone is crying for his blood. Crucify him, crucify him. We have a law, and according to that law, he must die. Is that really necessary? Doesn't that seem over the top? Pilate can't even find a basis for a charge, let alone grounds for his death. Above the murderous cries, twice Pilate declares Jesus' innocence, seeks to dismiss the case. Going in and out of the palace, Jesus to his protagonists and back, I find no charge against him. Again, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. Pilate doesn't see the issue and he certainly doesn't want this to become his issue. But they're not appeased. They won't give in. They won't rest until Jesus is dead. What could have offended them so severely that it would demand someone's life? They tell us that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, that he claimed to be God, that's why and they're right jesus made that claim over and over again with his words and with his actions he claimed to be the long-awaited one he spoke of god as his father he forgave sins on the basis of his own authority that's why they want jesus dead jesus didn't just float around dispensing platitudes that would have never offended anyone Jesus claimed to be God. That's why they're worked up. You couldn't just go around and make the sort of claims that Jesus made and do the sort of things that Jesus did without causing serious offence. To claim to be God cut to their heart. To claim to be God was blasphemy. They thought Jesus' claim to be God was blasphemy. Unless the unimaginable is true that he is God. Could he be? Has God entered into our mess? All the evidence looks like it's true. Pilate's afraid. Is Jesus God? How could that be? Few dare to even entertain the possibility. Here is the man. Pilate is searching for a reason to let Jesus free. Pilate asks, Where do you come from? Will Jesus say, I come from God? Will he give Pilate some basis for the charge? No. Jesus gives him no answer. Don't you realize I have the power to either free you or to crucify you? But Jesus trusts in the power of God more than the power of a man. The Jewish leaders are still searching and weaving for an angle. Well, Pilate, you might not care about Jesus' claim to divinity, but surely you should care about his claim to power. Pilate, you need to take this seriously. Are you a friend of Caesar? Are you okay with someone claiming to be king? That's it. Whilst Pilate sees no issue with Jesus, he's desperate not to make this his problem. Political expediency is valued more than truth. Self-preservation is sought more than justice. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Here is the man. Some see a beaten blasphemer merely masquerading as a king. Let the world see this is the innocent and faithful son of God. Worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and honour and glory and praise. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That's the sign about to be fixed to the cross. But not content with their cries for blood about to be satisfied on the cross. Some of the leaders want the sign edited to read, He claimed to be the King of the Jews. But it's done. What is written has been written, Pilate says. But even if Pilate has unwittingly stumbled upon the truth, now etched and soon to be elevated for all to see, almost everyone knows it's a joke. I mean, seriously? A king? Enthroned on a cross? What a ghastly and pathetic sight. There's nothing royal about it, it's gruesome. A cross is about as far from a throne as you can get. A cross isn't just unbecoming of a king, but the cross is unbecoming of a person by design. Crucifixion, in the words of one commentator said, had its express purpose in the elimination of victims from consideration as members of the human race. It was Rome's way of saying, if you mess with us, there is no limit on the violence which we will inflict upon you. If a king is one who is in charge, yields authority, wields power, then surely the crucifixion crushes any claim that Jesus is a king, that Jesus is the king. In a world in which the measure of greatness was the power to torture your enemies, not to suffer it yourself, surely the case now seems closed. But Jesus is the king, just not the king they expected. He might not be the king we expect. He's the king we need. A king whose glory is not made manifest in the dazzling display of power, but a king whose glory is revealed in the sacrificial act of laying down one's power and life. Could that be? For centuries, the people of God had longed and waited for God's ultimate king. Someone who would rule and reign with justice. Someone who would usher in God's kingdom. Someone who would free them from the tyranny of their oppressors. Someone who would point them back to God and enable their flourishing. Yet, interspersed in their scriptures, even said amidst the promise of this king, God had laid the expectation that this king would also be the one to suffer. A suffering servant. whose life would be poured out. That others, that we, might live Jesus had said time and time again that he had come to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus told Pilate not only that he was a king, but that his kingdom is from another place. It's for here, but not from here. And even now, as Jesus is stripped down to his undergarments and the soldiers gamble for his clothes... John shows us that the very promise of Scripture is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus said he would be lifted up. This is the moment, railing against what the world understands about power that is in its lifting up that Jesus is exalted. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. No. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews kings. Now rub your eyes, look again at the cross. His exaltation isn't failure, it's a revolution. His exaltation isn't the end, it is the beginning. It is the beginning of a reign that lasts not merely for a moment, but for eternity. Isn't confined to a country, but whose rule extends over all. That frees us not only from the tyranny of earthly oppressors, but from the tyranny of sin, death, and all that is evil. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and honour and glory and praise. It is finished. But what is finished? Surely, Jesus didn't just mean his life. We know that Jesus really died. All the evidence points to that. The Romans really knew what they were doing when it came to crucifixion. A victim of crucifixion only extended their life by pushing themselves up to breathe. Here, in a hurry to get the bodies down before the Sabbath, the guards were instructed to break the legs of the prisoners. In order to speed up the process. But when they go to Jesus, they find him already dead. It is finished. Yes, he's life, but Jesus is pointing to something more. He's showing us that as we look upon his death, we should peel back the layers and see that something else has been completed it is finished. That is through the very act of his dying that Jesus has accomplished the very work of God, which only he, as God's son, could do. But what could that possibly be? His disciples and friends are devastated. Things look finished, but not in a conquering sort of way. But it's through his death that he's conquered sin and death. It's through his death he's defeated the enemy and all that is evil. The work that is finished is nothing less than the salvation of the world. From that day, from that moment, a new age has begun in which the days of sin, death and evil are numbered. Jesus is the only one who could do it. In order to break the power of sin and death, God's son, perfectly innocent, had to take all of the sin and death on himself on the cross. The price has been paid. Justice has been done. It's a completely incomprehensible load. Even the thought of our own sin that led him there is hard to bear. He was there in our place. He was Our substitute. Jesus wasn't just the ultimate saviour, but he is the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice made once and for all. That's what is finished. It stretches our minds. It tugs at our heart. It might even offend our pride. That my sin... And yours, your death and mine, were nailed to that cross. Jesus' death opens up a way for us to no longer be bound to the reign of sin and death. That's why John the Baptist, right back at the beginning of John's Gospel, when he saw Jesus approaching declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the most lavish display of love that there will ever be, Jesus carried all of the world's sin, but make no mistake, his death is also deeply personal. For the problem of evil is not just some cosmic or distant thing, but also a problem about me and about every person. Sin is bigger than just the wrong things we do. Sin is the... Baseline human tendency to imagine a world without God and then accordingly live in ignorance and disobedience towards him. We do it in a myriad of ways. There's no limit to our creativity. The cross isn't just God's love poured out for the world. This is God's love poured out for you. It's Tremendously confronting and deeply affirming all at the same time. It's the evidence, as Tim Keller puts it, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved than we ever dare imagine. How do you respond to that? Judas betrayed him. Peter denied knowing him many of the disciples abandoned him john and the women wept how will you respond in our culture the predominant story that we tell ourselves is that the way to redemption meaning purpose and life is to get on the road to self discovery that that's where you're the hero in the story that we can save ourselves but let's be real, it just doesn't work. I can't overcome all the sin, evil, and death in my own life, let alone that for the world. But Jesus has. Jesus frees us from that burden, that the way to salvation, to forgiveness, life and life forever with him is not by looking within, but by looking to Jesus and discovering who he really is, what he has done, and putting our trust in him. Jesus invites us to be part of what he has finished. So that when the time of judgment comes, we can plead confidently, not what I've accomplished, the status I've attained, the achievements I've amassed, nor the moral record I've racked up, but what Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Saviour of the world, has achieved for us. We can look at the cross and rest that it is finished. That because he took his last breath, that we can look to him, that we can trust in him and take our first. We can rest in him. Won't you rest in him? Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and honour and glory and praise.